We're going to be in Daniel chapter 6 tonight. Daniel chapter 6. Well, that's not Daniel. All right. We've been studying the life of Daniel and seeing his faith and the faith of his friends as they've been uh, living in a foreign land, a land that's full of darkness, and they're, they're shining a light for others to see uh, that God is with them and that God is the one true living God. We worked our way through uh, the first five chapters of Daniel. Now we're going to conclude tonight with chapter 6. We could go into chapters 7 through 12, but... Uh, that's pretty sticky stuff and uh, not as much fun to, to look at the stories of the first six chapters. So we will at some point uh, come back to verse, uh, chapters 7 through 12. But for now, I'd like for us to end on chapter 6 and see this wonderful uh, illustration that we have in chapter 6 of a faithful man who is uh, striving to please God so consistently. You can just imagine as you're in your home, in your workplace, at school, wherever you're at, uh, a force that's constantly pushing you, constantly challenging you to compromise your values, your principles, trying to get you to give in uh, to, to just small things. This is not a, a huge, overwhelming force that's too strong for you, but it's just a persistent force. It's a nagging force that's constantly pushing you to give up on having integrity. Uh, to give up on being who God has called you to be and, and to do these little things that will in some ways make your life so much easier. We all have something like that uh, going on constantly. Satan is uh, like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's shooting his fiery darts at us. He's, he's trying to attack us. But as we think about his attacks, I think it's, it's helpful to understand and think about them as a persistent attack that, that is very subtle He's trying to go unnoticed in his attack. He doesn't want you to think that you've been overtaken. He wants you to believe that you're still in a good position and you're still justified in doing these little compromises and making these little changes uh, that, that actually make you drift further and further away from what God has called us all to be. As we look at this story in the life of Daniel, we're going to see a man who did not give in to the nudges. He didn't give in to the, the challenges. He didn't give in to the, the opportunities that he had to compromise and to do things a different way. Instead, he sought to please God in every aspect of his life. And he was persistent in that pursuit as he lived in a very foreign land, surrounded by wicked people who were constantly uh, doing all kinds of evil things to get ahead. We find Daniel standing firm faithfully uh, until the very end. We read in verse 1 of chapter 6, it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom, and over them three high officials of whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps should give an account, so that the king might suffer no loss. And this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was with him, was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. So what we see here at the beginning is the, the transmission's been made. 
right? We learned about Belshazzar's failure, the king of Babylon, and Darius and the Medes and the Persians coming in and taking over the kingdom of Babylon, and, and Darius being named the king of the province of Babylon. And in this, we, we saw in chapter 5 that Daniel went from someone who was mostly forgotten to the third in the kingdom of Babylon. And it was amazing to see him translate the writing on the wall in such a cavalier manner, not really concerned about what the king was going to do to him uh, for the bad news, and not really uh, overwhelmingly concerned about the attack that was about to be made. And we see him coming through the attack and rising up to this point where he is among the most prestigious men of the Babylonian empire. Uh, that he is one of the satraps, one of the lead satraps, and that, that Darius the king was going to put him over all the satraps so that he would be basically second in command over the whole province. And so Daniel, because of his excellent ability and wisdom and knowledge and understanding and his righteousness and his goodness and his integrity, was found, found favor in the sight of the king. Well, as we read on, we see that that didn't go too well with the other men who were among him. Uh, verse 4, it says, Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they could find no ground for complaint or any fault, because he was faithful, and no error or fault was found in him. These men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. You just imagine these guys pouring over uh, tons of records and documents that had been kept by the Babylonians where Daniel's name was written all in there because he was the head of all the wise men. And they're just pouring themselves over trying to find out what did he do wrong trying to find some way that they can use something against him to get what they want, to blackmail him so that they can control him. You see, in, the, uh, in most of society, people excel and people uh, gain ground over other people by compromising, by doing things that are not quite what they should be. Uh, and, and making uh, adjustments to things or, or doing things that would not be thought very well of. And, and so somebody somewhere makes a, a mistake or somebody somewhere has to do something they shouldn't do in order to continue, in order to progress. And progressing is the most important thing in their lives. So they think, well, I've got to do this or else I won't progress or else I won't move forward. But what's interesting about Daniel is... There's nothing. Here we have a man who didn't find the greatest leadership, the highest position, by pursuing it the way everyone else does. A man who just simply sought to be faithful to God. And God decided to lift him up and make him over all of the people that he was over. And now we have people who are trying to hurt him, who are trying to damage his reputation, who are trying to remove him because if they can't accuse him of anything, then they can't control him and they can't rise even more in power. 
they're, they're not content. They think, I'll be better if I am in Daniel's position. Then my life will really be what it ought to be. And so they seek a, a charge to bring against him. And the only way that they can find a charge against Daniel is if they find something that's against his law. Because he seems faithful to that law to the death. And so it says in verse 6, these high officials and satraps came to agreement uh, by agreement to the king, and they said to him, O King Darius, live forever. Buttering him up, which is something we've seen throughout, respectful to the, the, the ruler. But then they say, All the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days, except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and injunction. Notice as they're coming to the king, they have their document probably already ready to be signed, and it's, it's something everybody has agreed to. Everybody's with you on this. We love you so much. We want it to where nobody's worshiping any gods, but we're all just worshiping you, king. Now, that sounds very flattering to the king, doesn't it? It sounds like what the king would like to hear, that uh, everybody's going to stop worshiping other gods and turn to him and lift him up as though he is a god. And the king falls for the trap. But one name is, is absent, I'm sure, from the, the document, and that's the name of Daniel. We see Daniel, uh, he, he didn't agree with this because as you keep reading in verse 10, a very important verse in the whole chapter, when Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem, he got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Notice Daniel doesn't really pay any attention to the decree. Daniel is defiant against the law. Now the law was pretty simple, just, just for 30 days. Don't bow your knee, don't pray, don't speak to or worship any God. And Daniel couldn't wait that long. He couldn't wait 30 days. In fact, he couldn't wait a day. This was his daily routine. This was his life. This was his lifeblood. This is what gave him the, the will to wake up and to do the things that he did every day. To be righteous and to have that, that integrity that, that had no error and no fault. We see Daniel wasn't relying on himself to accomplish this. But three times a day, he was going up and approaching God's throne and talking to him about his needs and his petitions and, and, and about what he ought to do and, and looking for guidance and looking for understanding. And I'm sure he's looking forward to the promises of God being fulfilled that they would be allowed to return to Jerusalem. So Daniel did what he always did in defiance of the king's command. He didn't do it out in public. He didn't do it for spectacle. He didn't do it for show so that everybody would see how faithful he really is. But he did it. 
In the upper chambers of his room, he continued to be faithful to God, knowing good and well that it could mean the lion's den for him. Well, verse 11, it says these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. And they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any god or man within 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? And the king answered and said, The thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. And they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Then the king, heard, when, then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed, and he set his mind to deliver Daniel, and he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. And these men, these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is a law of the Medes and the Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. And the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve, continually deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signet of his lords, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. We see these men conspired to capture Daniel. They caught him, and then they brought the injunction before the king to make sure, oh yes, this is what you said. Oh yes, absolutely. It's a law of the Medes and Persians. It cannot be revoked. Well, that's interesting. Um, That's kind of the way they did things. They made the law. And it cannot be revoked, and it is what it is. Even if it's a bad law, it's just going to happen. And so he, they say Daniel is guilty. The, notice how he's described. Daniel, one of the exiles of Judah, pays no attention to you. Do you think that they were against the Jewish people? Probably. Uh, people probably didn't like the Jew, uh, that there was a, a Jew who was uh, at the, the head of everything, Uh, Notice back earlier, he was put as the head of the wise men, and he's over Babylon, Babylonian Chaldeans. He's over all of them. And here he is again, risen in power, and they're jealous, and they're angry. And so the king, after he hears this, is so upset, he starts looking for a way to save Daniel from this, and he finds himself completely helpless. He can't save Daniel. There's nothing he can do. He's the king of one of the greatest cities on the earth, And he can't stop this from happening. He can't save a friend of his. He's powerless. How many times in Daniel have we seen that the king, the ruler, is powerless? That he can't do what he really wants to do. Nebuchadnezzar, over and over again, has these dreams. And he can't control the the outcome of of things. Even though he thinks he can, he tries to change the course of, of the future, but he can't. He's powerless. And here we see, once again, a king, a ruler who can do nothing, who can do nothing to stop Daniel from going into the lion's den. So Daniel is cast into the lion's den. And what what King Darius says is, may your God whom you serve continually deliver you. He's he's asking for God to deliver Daniel. And then we see Daniel 
uh, in, in verse 19. It says, At the break of day the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. And as he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the, from the lions? And Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the, the lions' mouths, and they have not harmed me. Because I, have found, I, have, I was found blameless before him, and also before you, O king, I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. And so Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. And the king commanded, and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions, they, their children, and their wives. And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell on all the earth, Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus, the Persian. So here we see the end of the story. Once again, a king making a proclamation that the God of Daniel is the most high God who has the power to save. What a wonderful picture there in another story of Daniel. Overall in this, what we see is that the example of living faith in Daniel. He has a faith that is alive that is active. You see in that, he, he says, I trusted in God and he saved me. That's, that's what faith is. And he has this faith tested and it's vindicated. It's shown to be what, it, what he said it was. It's shown to be real and genuine. He truly believes that God has the power to save him and that even if he doesn't, remember what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego does, even if he doesn't, he's going to do what God wants him to do. That's his mentality. And as we read this story, we see that these jealous and envious men who have pursued destroying Daniel, they instead are outmaneuvered by God's wisdom and God's power. They instead are thrown into the lion's den with their wives and their children. Wow, that's pretty brutal. Uh, but overall, we see in this that God is going to be magnified. God is going to be lifted up in all the world uh, through the working of his people. As Daniel shines this light in, in a dark place, just like he's done this whole time, as we've been studying through Daniel, time and time again, we don't see something you know, insanely, uh, you know, bold and courageous and, and amazing like David going out to face Goliath. We don't see that. What we see is something small, an unwillingness to bow the knee to men in defiance of God. Instead, there is this strong uh, love that, God, that Daniel has, this strong respect and reverence for God that says, I must worship him. I must serve him. 
because of who he is and what he's done for me. Daniel has tremendous commitment to God. And as we look at this, we think about Daniel. How can we follow Daniel? Well, it's not like he's shutting the lion's mouths. He's not in there wrestling all the lions, and he's so strong, and he's so brave, and he's so courageous. That's not it at all. And that's encouraging for us, right? I mean, whatever our situations are, whatever lion's den that we're thrown into... It's not about us some way, somehow, outmaneuvering other people and and having more wisdom and more power than them to conquer them, but it's about God's ability. And it's about God's willingness to help us. See, Daniel's just focused on God. He has this unwavering commitment to God. And because of that, he chooses every single day to be a man of integrity, to be a man who doesn't compromise. It started from his youth, and it just has kept on. He's persistently, consistently chosen to do the right things in his life. He didn't pursue glory for himself. He didn't pursue being lifted up and exalted above all the men on the earth. Instead, he just pursued doing what was right. And he just trusted in God completely to help him to just have a good life. And God chose to not only give him a good life, but to lift him up and make him one of the greatest men in all of the kingdom. And even in in all of this, you notice a few things that Daniel doesn't do. He doesn't compromise for safety. And this is something that I myself would struggle with, maybe you as well, uh, that we would somehow uh, justify a compromise, you know, thinking, well, I've got, I've got to do this or else I'll lose my job, you know, or else I, I might die, you know. If I, if I were to go into this part of the city and try to evangelize or try to teach somebody, I could die, you know. That's, that's literally something that could happen. And, and so fear could maybe control us. And, and Daniel doesn't allow fear to control him. He doesn't make a decision based on what is safest for him and his family. He doesn't make a decision based on what is going to help him at all. It doesn't matter. That's not his focus. But instead, he is so focused on glorifying God that he doesn't let fear control him. He can overcome his fears to do what's right. I wonder how he felt as he went to that upper room. I wonder if there was any hesitation in him at all at this point. He's, he's advanced in years now. He's been through a lot. He's seen a lot. And we saw in Belshazzar's room, he had no real uh, concern or worry about him in the way that it's described. I wonder if he had any concern or worry as he walked up those steps to the upper room to pray. But also as we look at this, uh, I find it very conspicuous how absent the words of Daniel are. Until he's pulled out of the lion's den, I don't see any words from Daniel. He's like a sheep being led to the slaughter, completely silent as he is escorted into the lion's den as far as what's revealed to us. There's no uh, malice in his tongue or spite or arguing or justifying or trying to make a case. It doesn't appear that way. Maybe he did some of that. It's not recorded for us. And he's not speaking out against his enemies. We see his enemies are punished by the king, but we don't see Daniel saying, you better take care of those guys. They they maliciously convicted me, and and I'm I'm innocent, and they they deserve what I got. No, he doesn't even say that. That's what happens to them. But that's not in his heart. We don't see that at all. 
And so if we want to follow Daniel, I think he's a good person for us to follow. But we need to be thinking about how we can have these same kind of characteristics and be as committed to God as Daniel is. In times of trouble, are we going to hold true to what God has called us, who, who God has called us to be? You know, it's really an opportunity to shine a light. It's an opportunity for God's name to be glorified. Things go wrong in our lives. We have a choice to make. We can either give up and give in and, and make changes and compromise, or we can hold fast and endure. And our faith can be seen in our actions. It can be more than just words that we say, that we believe, and that we trust God. It can be actually shown in the way that we, we respond and react to the trials of life that we know are going to happen. That the good and wonderful God who created us and has promised us so much has not promised that we'll have an easy life. And he's still good even though life is hard. We have to make that commitment in our own minds, in our own hearts that we're going to stay true to God even when things get hard. If we haven't made that commitment and things get hard, we're going to fall. We have to make that commitment beforehand. And, and this is an everyday commitment as well. That force that's pushing against us is just constantly trying to get us to make compromises. If we want to follow Daniel, if we want to be like him and be found blameless, before our God and before the, those who are over us, we have to refuse the shortcuts in life. We have to be willing to not advance. And in some cases, we have to be willing to fall. Lose the job, lose the friendship, lose the relationship, lose the money. We have to be willing to lose it. We have to be willing to give it up. And not seeking to get it and then justify or compromise and then say, well, it's a, I'm sorry, I repent, but I'm going to keep all of the things that I've gained. You know, we have to be willing to actually not take the shortcut. Not assume that God's going to forgive us and everything's going to be okay when we do what we know is wrong. And we have to make sure that whenever we're treated unfairly because of our faith, and this very well could happen in the future. Uh, we're not exempt from this in the future, that no matter what, we're going to respond in a respectful way, but we're going to respond in a faithful way. That our actions will be aligned with our beliefs, and that we will be what we say we are, a follower of Christ. Because really, as we look at this, Daniel is representing Christ. What we see in Daniel, you might have got a hint of that with the, the sheep being led to the slaughter kind of idea. What we see in Daniel is a representation of Jesus. Jesus is constantly seeking God. We see him in prayer over and over again, constantly pursuing God's wisdom, God's help, God's, uh, God's guidance, God's assurance, God's encouragement. And he remains committed to God even when men attack him. He doesn't back down. He is here for a mission and he's going to see it through. Even if all these religious leaders don't understand it. And they're accusing him of wrong and healing on the Sabbath day. He's going to do it because that's what God has given him the mission of doing. And God has made it clear there's nothing wrong with that. Jesus is perfect in his integrity. He always does the right thing. 
There is no fault found in him. And his lion's den, as a result of all that, uh, he was put to the cross because of envious and jealous men who didn't like how much he was loved by all the people. It's very much similar to what Daniel went through. But whenever Jesus came out of the lion's den, whenever Jesus came off of the cross and, and he was dead, he was resurrected and he didn't just conquer those enemies who accused him. He conquered death itself. He conquered sin once and for all. So his achievement was much better than that of Daniel's. And Daniel is just merely a type that was pointing the way to Jesus. And so as we consider ourselves in our lives and how we have this force that's constantly pushing us to make compromises, let's remember Daniel. But ultimately, it's about remembering Jesus. And refusing to, to, to compromise our integrity. Refusing to allow our conscience to be seared. Refusing to go against what we know is the right thing to do. Because we know that if we'll stay true to that, God will ultimately be glorified and we will shine a light for others to see his glory. And that's our goal and that's our mission so as we look at all of this in Daniel 1 through 6, and we see these exiles who are living faithfully in the midst of a very dark world, I hope that we understand that's a story about who we're called to be. We're going to study 1 Peter uh, pretty soon in, in uh, our, our studies, and really Peter says we are the elect exiles. He connects us fully to what we read about here in Daniel and says that's who you are. <laughs> You're living the life that Daniel lived. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. I love that song. I asked Mark to lead that song because, man, that, that is such a great song. I've heard that song since before I was baptized. I remember hearing that song and just being like, wow, what, a, what an amazing perspective to have on life. One that we constantly need to have. Because we have revealed to us more than what Daniel had revealed to him. We understand now most fully about the resurrection of the dead and how the promises of God have found their fulfillment in our Messiah and we have hope of eternal life if we'll just remain faithful to the very end, if we'll endure all the temptations and trials, if we will repent of the sins and the failures we've made and turn our hearts to God, we can find forgiveness and we can find glory even if it's not from men we can find glory from God that is eternal. And so hopefully you understand all of that. Hopefully that's what you're pursuing in your life. Hopefully you're making that uh, your foremost pursuit in all that you're doing because it's the only pursuit that's really worth pursuing. And if you're not pursuing God and, and the eternal life and the eternal treasure that he offers you, we want to encourage you to make a change tonight, to recommit yourself, Redevote yourself. You're not going to be perfect, but you're going to be committed to living a life of integrity, to making changes, to admitting your faults, even uh, allowing yourself to suffer loss for the sake of doing what's right. Because you love God and you know that there's treasure waiting for you in heaven for all those who remain faithful to the very end. If there's anything that we need to do to help you get back on the right track, we want to help you. If you've not yet obeyed the gospel and you know what you need to do, and we can help you with that, please let us know. Please come as we stand and as we sing.